Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm going to begin by asking you a question. The question is, how do you deal with the subject of death? I found people handle death in one of three ways. Some people face death with fear, and they're afraid to die. And some people face death with frustration because of death is the big unknown. They have no idea what happens after life. And so the thought of death makes them uncomfortable. And then finally, you have some people, the believer, who faces death with faith. Why? Because Jesus said in John chapter 14, are you listening? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, right around chapter uh, 15, pardon me, It tells us to be absent from the body is to be what? Anybody know? Present with the Lord. You know that. You see, the believer faces death with confidence because, listen, we, K-N-O-W, we know that our destiny is in the hand of the Lord. If you understand that, I want you to clap your hands for Jesus, would you? Because you should be excited about that. Our destiny is in the hand of the Lord. You know, I think of um, my sister. Her name is Patty Brewer. And remember I told you some time ago, maybe you don't, but I told you that Patty uh, uh, attends this church and Patty Brewer has cancer. And uh, Patty would sit in third service. uh, Michelle, right where you're sitting, right in that corner, Patty would sit all the time. And Patty is a little package. I mean, she's just a little lady. Matter of fact, I call her PLP. Patty little package. <laughs> I always call her PLP. And uh, she calls me FP, favorite pastor, <laughs> which I like very much. And I tell her, Patty, I'm, of course I'm your favorite pastor. I'm your only pastor. She goes, but if I had another, you'd be my favorite. So I'm like, Okay. And Patty has cancer, and Patty, uh, she's refused treatment. And she is not taking any pain medication, actually like Motrin. I call her, you know, once a week. I go by there every so many weeks, go by her house and sit with her. And because she's not looking so good now, she tries to keep me from coming over. So she tells me, "Don't, don't come over, don't come over. I say, okay, I won't. 30 minutes later... You can't leave me out here. Open the door. So, and she is a sweet lady, and 
She's taking no treatment because she understands that her destiny and her life is in the hand of the Lord. And that ministers to me. I honestly, I've been preaching a long time, and I've met a lot of people. I've never met anybody like PLP. And she believes that if God wants to heal her, God will heal her. And if God wants to use this cancer to take him home, he'll use this cancer to take, him, take her home. And, 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 and she even talks about her healing. She, she, she calls her healing her supercalifragilistic moment. Her supercalifragilistic moment. So she'll sign off an email. You know, P-O-P, supercalifragilistic. That means she's waiting for the Lord to heal her. And if the Lord doesn't heal her, then she's okay with that too. And she talks about going to be with Jesus like, you know, we would talk about, you know, going to visit a friend across town. It's so real to her that it ministers to me. I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be ministering to her and she's ministering to me. Hey, I'm going to be with the Lord. She's planning all the service. She got it all planned. She called me up and she says, Pastor Rodney, she goes, you got to sing for me. In my, you got to agree to sing for me in my, in my going home service. I said, okay, Patty, what you want me to sing? She says, I don't. She says, I want you to sing that song, uh, la, 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 la. And I went, Patty, there's no song like that. <laughs> And she says, yeah, that, that song, la, 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 oh, pray, oh, praise him, that song. She says, you got to sing that one. And then she goes, you got to sing that one song about grace, because I love it when you sing that song about grace. I'm like, Patty, there's a lot of songs about grace. I mean, can you be a little more specific? Oh, yeah, the one about grace flowing over us. Oh, you mean grace like rain? She goes, oh, yeah, 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 you got to sing that one. You got to sing that one. Pastor, you got to sing it. And I said, okay, Patty, I'll sing it. She says, I want my home going to be glorious. And she said, I want people to worship the Lord. And I want people to lift their hands and clap and don't be sad because I'm going to be with the one that I want to be with. And she said, don't be sad. And she tells her husband, don't be sad. She says, and when I leave, don't be sad. That ministers to me because the believer has the right perspective on death. Are you getting me? We have the right perspective and the right attitude and the right heart about death and about facing death. Luke chapter 9, were you with me last week? Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Don't turn there, but just write it down in your holy notepad. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it tells us, And it came to pass when the time was come that he, Jesus, should be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. If you've been with us, you know that Jesus, right about here in chapter 13 of Luke, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's headed for the cross. And the Bible says that he steadfastly is headed for Jerusalem. He knows he's about to die. And despite the fact that he knows what awaits him, he's doing ministry and busy about the Father's business and seeking to love people and to love particularly the Jewish people. I've titled this sermon today, Love Forsaken. Luke chapter 13, let's get to it. Luke chapter 13, and we will pick up where we left off in verse 31. Luke 13 and verse 31, if you're looking at it, saints, say, I'm looking at it. See, got you, didn't I? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. 
On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to Jesus, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to them, Go tell that fox. Don't you just love that? You know, doesn't that mess up your whole Sunday school, Jesus? I don't know what Bible people are reading. Because they say, oh, Jesus was always meek and mild. And Jesus just loved everybody. And he loved the entire world. We are the world. We are the children. Like, I don't know what Bible these people are reading. Because Jesus will get in your face. Jesus said, go tell that fox Herod, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures in verse 32 while you're looking at it today and tomorrow and the third day, and I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention just by show of hands. Were you here with me last week? Just by show of hands. Here with me last week. Good. Well, that's a good number of you. And last week, as you know them, we were talking about Jesus who was telling us to strive to enter in because the gate is narrow. And we talked about the narrow gate, which speaks of the fact that there is one way to be saved. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And then we left off in verse 30, as Jesus said, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Well, in verse 31, it was on that same day that some of the Pharisees said, get out and depart from there, from here, because Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said, go tell that fox. Now, when we think of fox, give me your attention, look at me. When we think of fox, you know, we think of it in the context of a compliment. You know, like, Foxy mama. You know, like you have to kind of, you know, when you say, you got to say, foxy mama. I mean, you kind of have to, I thank God we don't have DVD because I would not want this recorded, but you got, yeah, foxy mama. You foxy. You know, you got to say it like that. You know, we think of it in the context of like good looking. When When I think of this, and I read this. I can't help it, guys. I'm from the 70s. Okay, that was my era. 70s was the era. I don't care what anybody tells you. The 70s were the era. I still have clothes from the 70s. And I'm not giving them up. I got plaid tight pants. I know it, Lord. Y'all pray for me. Don't judge me. I got the 70s. And in the 70s, I read this, go tell that fox, I think of, I'm sorry, Foxy Brown. <laughs> Anybody know Foxy Brown? Foxy Brown. Some folks in second service, I was shocked. They didn't know who Foxy Brown was. That's Pam Greer, man. <laughs> Pam Greer was, well, let me put it like this. Pam Greer in the 70s, what is, what is to Beyonce today. Let's just say Pam Greer was fine. Boing! 
Pam Greer, I mean, Pam Greer, and me, oh my gosh, oh Lord, the 70s. I love the 70s. The Afro, God knows, I told y'all in heaven, I'm getting an Afro. <laughs> you will be able to spot me among a sea of people because I'm already praying and fasting for my really big Afro. I want to be right up front where the throne is, all the glitter, all the lights and stuff, so y'all can see my afro. Because I'm, I'm living in the 70s, man. And, in the, you know, the afro, and then you had the pick in the back with the fist. Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? Look, come on now, y'all. Tell the truth. You in church. You had the pick in the back. You walking around. You got on your platform. Sure, I'll never forget. I had these platforms. I used to love the, I had these platforms. All right. I'm being too vulnerable here. I had these platforms that were blue. Yes, and they had blue and white striped shoestrings. And they were fly. And then I had this long crushed velvet maxi coat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had fur around the collar. I was Shaw, continue to be. But y'all know, the 70s was the place. Jesus, they said, Jesus, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said, tell that fox. Now listen, in that culture, the word fox, mm, that, wasn't, that wasn't a compliment. The word fox, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word fox means cunning and weak ruler. Jesus says, go tell that cunning and weak ruler, I'm busy. Oh, I love that. I'm busy. Isn't it interesting? Rather than being drawn in by the greatness of Herod or intimidated by the greatness of Herod, Jesus says, go tell him I'm busy. Interesting. I see here, saints, do you see it? The boldness of Jesus. He isn't afraid of Herod. And Christians, we can't be afraid of the Herods of today. We need to be bold as believers. Somebody say a better amen than that. We need to be bold as believers. Listen at this story. Back in the fourth century, there was a man by the name of Athanasius who stood up to a leader. And the leader's name was Arius. And Arius was promoting a false teaching known as the Arian heresy. The Arian heresy is basically the seeds of Jehovah's Witness doctrine, which taught that Jesus is not God, Jesus is not divine, and there is no trinity. Well, a council meeting was held, and Athanasius met Arius and all of his followers, and Athanasius and his group were outnumbered. And one of Athanasius' friends whispered to him and said, There are so many of them and so few of us, it seems like they're all against you. And Athanasius said, If the world goes against the truth, then Athanasius goes against the world. Isn't that a great comment? If the world goes against the truth, then Athanasius goes against the world. And he stood up and he stood his ground and he defended the church in the fourth century against the Arian heresy. Let's go back two centuries. In the second century AD, the governor of Asia was named Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger. And Pliny had what he called the Christian problem. Pliny wrote a letter to Trajan the emperor And he said, I've got a problem. I'm trying to govern according to the dictates of Rome, but there are Christians who have sworn allegiance to another king. 
And Trajan wrote back and he said, be as tolerant as you possibly can and don't go out of your way to persecute them, but let them know who's boss. And that would be Caesar and, and Rome. So there was a Christian who was brought before Pliny who refused to bow the knee to the Roman deity and Pliny threatened him. And Pliny said, I will banish you to the wilderness away from civilization. And the Christian said, you can't do that because the world is my father's house. And Pliny said, well, then I will slay you. And he said, you can't do that either because my life is hid with Christ in God. And when I die, I will live with Christ forever. Well, then Pliny said, well, then I will take away all your possessions. And the Christian said, you can't do that either because I have treasures in heaven and they are greater than yours. And the threats continued, but the Christian stood up and he stood against Pliny. And this became known as the Christian problem. Christians who are willing to stand in the face of adversity, Christians who are immovable. Listen, the only thing that can harm a Christian, it really can't harm a Christian, is death. And when a Christian is not afraid of death, then that is a problem because you can't do anything with them. If death is all you got, bring it on because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Somebody say amen. If that's all you got, then bring it. I'll tell you another story. There was a man in his name, maybe you know this name. His name was Bishop Hugh Latimer. And uh, Bishop Hugh Latimer was famous during the reign of King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII demanded that Latimer preach a sermon on Sunday before all the royal court. Everyone gathered. The king was seated on his throne. There was pomp and circumstance, of course, and royal robes. Bishop Latimer preached a sermon that convicted and affected King Henry VIII. Well, the king was a man of pride, and he demanded a formal apology be given by the bishop. Well, next Sunday, in front of the same crowd, this apology was to be given. So it was a sermon of apology. So again, the crowd gathered, same audience, the royal court, etc. Everyone was wondering what the bishop would say. What would the bishop say? What would the bishop say? And Bishop Latimer began his message. Get this, you're going to love it. Bishop Latimer began his message as if he was speaking directly to himself. And he said, Hugh Latimer, in whose presence you are, the presence of the great king who has the power to take your life. He said, Bishop Latimer, consider also whose word you are to proclaim, the great king of kings and the God of God who was able to cast your body and soul into hell and be sure that you are faithful to his word. And then he preached the exact same sermon he preached before, but this time with more fervor than before. Well, King Henry VIII came up to him and said, how dare you? And Bishop Latimer said, I'll tell you how dare I. I have another king that outweighs you, of whom I and you must give an account. And you can kill me, but you can't kill me forever. And one day you will also stand in judgment before him. And the king commended him for what he said. That, my friends, is boldness. And we need to be bold. And you can find this idea of boldness woven throughout the scriptures. You know the story of Daniel. 
You know the story of, uh, of Peter and John as they were arrested and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they went right back out after having been beaten and they began to speak in boldness the word of God. Write this down, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Saints, I really believe it is a tactic of the enemy to silence our testimony. I really do. Listen, when it's all said and done, your testimony is all you have. You can be out there sharing the gospel. You can be out there telling people about what the word of God says. But listen, they can choose to not believe that. Are you listening? They can choose to not believe that. But you cannot argue the fact that I am telling you that my life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God living in it. You cannot argue the fact that I'm telling you when I was nine years old, I started doing drugs. And when I became a Christian at 21 years old, God took that out of my life and God changed my life 27 years ago. And I have never been the same since. You can't argue with that. You don't have to believe the Bible, but my testimony, you can't take it away from me. Do you understand? You can't argue with fruit. You can't. You can stand there and look at a lemon tree and it's producing lemons and you can say it's an apple tree all you want. But the fact is there's lemons coming off of that tree and you look like an idiot. Because you're standing there going, ah, I see there's lemons there, but you know what? No, 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 that's an apple tree. No, that's an apple tree. Well, it's not an apple tree. It's a lemon tree. There's lemons coming off that tree. And you can't argue with the fruit that's coming from my life. And we have to be sure that we don't let Satan push us in a corner, especially in the world that we live in today, when you can talk about Hare Krishna, and you can talk about Islam, and you can talk about Buddhism, and you can talk about yoga and meditation and studying your navel lint on the top of a mountain. But as soon as you start talking about Jesus, hold on now, wait a minute, wait a minute, all that religious stuff, all that religious stuff. You know why? You know why? You know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. That's why. That's why. And Satan knows that. We are not ignorant of his devices. Are you listening? Huh? We're not ignorant of his devices. There is power in the name of Jesus. So Satan wants to hinder you and keep you from speaking your testimony. I'm on a plane on Friday night coming home. My last leg from, where was I? Philly. From Philly to RDU. And I'm sitting next to a lady, so, you know, I, y'all know me, I'm always looking forward to share. I'm looking for an opportunity to share the gospel every minute I can. Amen. Because I ain't scared. <laughs> and so I'm sitting next to this lady, and, you know, I'm just looking for an opportunity. I know we got 53 minutes, so to me, that's 53 minutes of a captive audience. You know what I mean? So I can, I can just drive her crazy with the gospel for 53 minutes because they tell us 53 minutes and we'll be from wheels up to wheels down 53 minutes. Okay, that's 53 minutes. I got to share the gospel. So I look over at her and I go, hey. You know how you do when you sit down. You just say, uh, how are you? Yeah. Yeah, so where are you going? Same place you're going. We're on the same plane. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Got me. 
And uh, so, uh, what do you do? I said to her. And she says, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor in nursing. I said, really? She says, yes. I said, well, well, what do, you, what do you do? I mean, a doctor, doctor in nursing, you're a PhD. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I don't really, you know. And see, if you ever want to witness, listen, here's the key. If you want to witness, then just start with getting people to talk about themselves. Because folks love to talk about themselves. They ain't interested in you. They want to talk about themselves. So you go, really? Well, tell me what you do and how do you do all this stuff? And she's telling me all this stuff. And in the meanwhile, I'm thinking and she's talking and I'm in my head and when I'm looking at her mouth and it's going wah, 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 wah. Because in my head, I'm thinking I just can't wait to interject something. Something she says is going to give me a jump off point. I know it. So I'm just waiting. I'm, going, I'm watching her mouth move. Wah, wah, wah. That's all I got. Wah, wah, wah. That's all I hear. And then I never got an opportunity really to kind of segue. So I, you know, I just, at a, at a moment, I just, I, I didn't know what else. I just said, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Actually, she was talking about catheters. She was talking about catheters and she's like, well, this is my, and I was just like, do you know Jesus? And she was like, and I could tell by looking in her eye, you're one of them. And I'm like, Yes, God has sent me. Yes, you're one of them. And I began to tell her about the Lord. And I'm telling you, that woman was so glad when that plane landed. She was running off that plane. I'm like, come back here. Come here. Come here. She rolled her luggage. I'm like, come on. You need to get saved. Oh, Lord, where was I? (laughs) But we need to be sharing our faith. Are y'all getting me? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.